every civilization has, at most, 18 years before it might collapse. Do you realize that when a child is born, he or she has no civilization? Unless that child has civilization impressed upon it through education, discipline, diligent, loving sacrifice, he or she will sow disintegration and anarchy. Civilization has been known as it has been known will collapse barring a direct intervention from God. This story has been repeated many, many, many times. Boy, that's a great pick-me-up. Thanks a lot, Pastor Greg. We love coming Sunday night. Here is, <clears throat> here is my one sentence of what it must look like for that child to be raised in such a way that civilization does not come to a violent, sudden end. Now listen carefully. Honor your father and your mother. Yeah, I know. That's not very original. But it is biblical. And it's fine that it's not original because if it's new, then it's not true. And if it's true, then it certainly isn't new when it comes to knowing God and knowing our own hearts. This is, of course, the fifth of the Ten Commandments, which we find in Exodus 20, verse 12. Honor your father and mother that your days may be long in the land and that the Lord your God is giving to you. You'll remember as we've been going through these Ten Commandments, the big idea that we keep coming back to over and over and over again is I am saved by the wood and I am taught by the stone. The point of the Ten Commandments can never be that if you do them, you will live. Instead, the point of the Ten Commandments is that when you trust the salvation given to you at the cross, then you will find the Ten Commandments are a valuable tool of instruction on how to live for the glory of God, the joy of your own heart, and even the growth of His kingdom around us. You remember, we went through Matthew. You are the salt and the light. You demonstrate your relationship with Christ by your very counter-cultural relationship, in this case, with the law, with authority, excuse me, with authority. Jesus is the answer to how you relate to your father and mother. Jesus is the answer to how you relate to your boss and your president and your landlord because you know your responsibility to obey and honor them comes directly from Jesus and is directly tied to how you relate to him. Your honoring and obeying of authority around you comes not from whatever it is they do or don't do, but your need to and power to obey and honor comes from your relationship to God the Son. Which is why, wherever we are, whenever we are, we need to honor our father and mother. Now, what I don't 
mean for tonight's sermons to be some doom and gloom, the sky is falling. You're all already familiar with that. Turn on the TV, you'll not only see the heresy that Pastor Benji was talking about today, but you'll also see all kinds of doom and gloom. And I don't necessarily mean this sermon to be political either, though it has obvious political uh, impacts, implications. Nevertheless, because we are humans and our hearts are still dark, it will be a little bit of both. And, this is an important and, and tonight as we go through the fifth commandment, I intend to obey the command Yahweh gave to Israel through Jeremiah and pass along to each one of us. Jeremiah 29, verse 4. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. In other words, the worst possible situation you could possibly be in. Some of you might think, well, that's describing where we are now. Be that as it may, what is the Lord's command to his people? Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. In other words, no matter how bad the culture gets, keep on living. Keep on living. Multiply there and do not decrease, but seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on his behalf for its welfare, for in its welfare you will find your welfare. My friends, your duty is not to go huddle in your house and curse the darkness outside. Yours, Christian, is to be salt and light. Yours, Christian, is to, yes, be in this putrid and dark culture as salt and light. You remain the church militant and therefore must continue to trust the promises of God for you in Christ so that your near ones will see that there is something to this Jesus thing that you keep talking about. Therefore, in light of the commandment before us, honor your father and mother. Now, I want to break up our message tonight into five questions that God's word answers in relationship to the, five, the fifth commandment. And the first one is simple. What does honor mean? What does it mean to honor your father and mother? Well, most of you are good Sunday school graduates. You already know that it comes from the idea to be weighty. A person who is honored is weighty in the sense that their opinion matters. We listen to honorable people. We even obey those we consider honorable. We at least seek to live in the same manner they live and follow what they say. And examples of this abound throughout both Testaments. But I think a single word... A word, by the way, that is not held in universal esteem today, best sums up the idea behind this honor. An honorable person is one who has authority. This is the kind of person who has earned the right to speak. 
Their relationship to you or their expertise in a given area has earned them a right to speak about a topic and you consider their opinion weighty, solid, firm, strong. This is a good way of looking at how you should view your father and mother. Now, of course, since my son is sitting in the audience, he will tell you right away that his father is not always honorable and no authority is perfect in this life. There's obviously room for errors and differences, but your father and mother ought to have your ear. You ought to be willing to hear them out even if in the end you disagree. This is a good way of describing what it means to honor your father or mother. Which, of course, brings up a different question. Who is Moses talking about with regards to father and mother? Now, this is where the rubber meets the road, isn't it? And while certainly your parents is a right answer, it also more broadly brings into view the various authorities in your life that God wants you to honor. Let me give you several reasons why I believe this is true. Your reaction to the parental authority in your life necessarily reflects your relationship to every authority. How you learn to treat your parents growing up will determine how you are able to live in this society with regards to authority. Your father and mother are the first authorities in your life, but certainly they're not the last. Your teachers, your bosses, your mentors, your friends, and your governmental representatives all have legitimate authority over you. In fact, the Bible goes a step further than that. Note how crucial this relationship to authority and the honoring you owe those in authority over you is. Evidently, the Apostle Paul thinks that salvation of your near ones is at stake. 1 Timothy 2, 1-4. Paul says, First of all, then, I urge that supplications, prayer, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. Now why? This is good. And it is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior who desires all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. How you relate to authority is a matter that can be such that it's salvation for your near ones. Furthermore, Paul takes it a step further. And in his longest section on how to deal with the various authorities around you, he bases it, he founds it on the command, honor your father and mother. Ephesians 6, 1-3, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Paul starts here, the most basic of authorities. And then what does he do? He talks to fathers, he talks to servants, and he talks to masters. 
The relationship to every authority figure in your life is controlled, is founded upon, is based on the fact that you and I need to obey. We need to honor our father and mother. But you know what? I love even better than that. The promise is right there. And Paul takes an effort to draw your attention to it. This command that Paul ties all of these authoritative relationships together by this command, honor your father and mother, is exactly what we should expect given the fact that Paul and Peter and Jesus' own commands They command the believers in their relationship to authority right back to honor your father and mother. Now this gives us a moment to pause. I've been kind of debating when in my series through the Ten Commandments to give this particular teaching and this seemed like the best place to put it. Where does the fifth commandment fall in the order of the Ten Commandments? And how does it relate to the others? Now, the Bible consistently refers to the law, capital L, law. The law as a whole. It is a continuous entity over which every other law, small l, relates to every other law, and it relates to the whole law, the once again, capital L. And so, how one particular small l law relates to every other one can be usually found in multiple places throughout Scripture. Sometimes the Ten Commandments in particular are referred to the law, capital L again. And we are reminded that you cannot look at one aspect of the law and not be able to draw lines, as I said, relating to every other one. Now this being true, theologians for at least 3,500 years when Moses gave the Ten Commandments have spoken about the two tables of the law. Now, follow here because you might get tripped up by a couple of things I'm saying. Moses came down the mountain, if you remember, with two tablets. And on these two tablets were the Ten Commandments. Now, many scholars think, and this is what I believe, is that each tablet held the whole of the Ten Commandments, not 1 through 5 and 6 through 10, as you usually see it on some monument. Now, part of the reason why I believe this is because he took one of these stones and he put it in the Ark of the Covenant. In other words, this is saying this is God's portion. And then he took the other, evidently, and he set it out so that Israel could see it. But nevertheless, there's two tablets. Now that's not the same thing as what the theologians say that there are two tables of the law. You see where that can get confusing? Tablets and tables, they are not the same. And I want to make sure you catch that and don't stumble. The two tables of the law is a common way of referring to the fact that some of the Ten Commandments seem to be addressing our relationship with the Lord directly, and some of the commandments seem to be directly related to our relationships with 
humans around us. Now, it is common, and I would say probably the majority position today, is that the first table of law, those laws relating to us, to Yahweh, end at the fourth commandment. You remember, you shall have no other gods before me, you shall have no idols, you shall not take the Lord's name in vain, and you shall keep the Sabbath. And many scholars, not all, but many of them say that that's where the first table ends. Then you pick up on the second table and you have honor your father and mother. Um, Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not lie and do not covet. Right? So, I think I missed one in there. Do not murder. Yeah. Okay. Five. I am going to go with the ancient Jewish scholars and John Stott who all agree that it's actually the first five commandments that are on the first table. They relate us to the Lord. Hang with me here for a moment and we'll see why it's important. First of all, Yahweh himself identifies himself as the father of Israel. Now that's the our Father, We don't find out that we can call him my father until the New Testament, but that becomes clear later. But Yahweh very clearly establishes this. In fact, he sends Moses as a prophet to Pharaoh and says, If you do not let my firstborn go, I will take your firstborn. Boy, I thought I was a protective dad. Of course... We also know from the New Testament that if you are relating to God your Father rightly, you will also be relating to your near ones rightly. Which is the point of both tables of the law. But we see this very clearly in 1 John 5. But we, by this, we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey His commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep His commandments and His commandments are not burdensome. If by grace through faith you know you are saved by the wood and taught by the stone, then you will find that there is a promise associated with your obedience. Honor your father and mother. The first commandment with the promise that it may go well with you and you live long in the land. Which brings up the question, what is this promise? What does this promise mean? And why make such a big deal about it? First, let's consider where this command is and how it's expanded upon. Again, our verse, verse 12 of Exodus 20, Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land that your God, Lord your God is giving you. Within the Ten Commandments, we find a promise. If you honor your father and mother, you will live long in the land. Moses finds this so important, in fact, that he reiterates the promise right before he gives the Ten Commandments again in Deuteronomy 5. We see this in Deuteronomy 4.40. Therefore you shall keep His statutes and His commandments, which I command you today. Why? That it may go well with you and with your children after you, that you may prolong your days in the land that the Lord your God is giving you for all time. He's repeating the promise here. He's giving us this promise that He already gave us in chapter 20, verse 12 in Exodus. But why? 
Why this promise? Why long life in the land? Well, there's two answers to this question, and we must, be un- we must understand which is which. The first answer to this question relates to the original promise. Under the kingdom where Yahweh ruled as king over Israel, one of the central commands, in fact, one of the top ten, you might say, relates to honoring your father and mother. If you relate yourself rightly, then the promise is long life in the land. And just like you find Tess in 1 John, one of the ways Joe Israelite could tell if he was living in God's favor was whether or not he was honoring his father and his mother. One of the tests, remember Paul tells us, test yourself. One of the ways you can know is what is your attitude towards dear old mom and dad? If Joe Israelite failed the test, then he knew that he was due to experience God's wrath when Yahweh's grace ended. Of course, if he was honoring the Lord's command to honor his father and mother, then he knew that he was right with the Lord. Now, the Apostle Paul finds this promise so significant. He quotes the command and the promise together immediately before launching into what I just noted a moment ago is the longest set of verses on how Christians ought to live under authority. Let's look at these verses once again. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with the promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Notice how he ties the obedience and the honor. Notice Moses did the same thing. Intentionally, self-consciously, Paul is taking the command promise in Exodus 20, verse 12, and the promise relating to obeying the whole Ten Commandments in Deuteronomy 4.40, and he's conflating them. He's putting them together. And what he wants you to do, what many biblical writers want you to do, is they want you to see how they put these two verses together so you'll go back in your mind and say, wait a minute, what was the rest of that verse? And what we find is the rest of that verse is that it may that you may prolong your days in the land that the Lord your God is giving you for all time. I don't think that's a mistake. I don't think that that is something Moses accidentally put in or the scribe he was dictating to. I said, oh, you know what? That sounds, we'll put this in there. This is a salvation issue. This is about helping your neighbors see the glory of God in the face of Christ Jesus through your attitudes and actions. Did you ever think about that? Honoring your father and mother can be a means for your near ones to see the glory of God in the face of Christ Jesus through your attitudes and actions. The other thing that Paul does here, the other thing that Paul, when he takes this very important passage and he just straightens it out just a little bit so we see a little deeper into the heart of what God's getting at. 
He notes the qualification, obey, as obey in the Lord. Honoring parents, as close as that is to the heart of the Lord, and as close as that is to the center of a life well lived, is not absolute. While our attitudes towards our parents must always reflect honor, must give them our ear, so to speak, no matter what, the obedience element of honor always takes a back seat to the necessity of living in light of the fact that our first allegiance is to Jesus. He is the Lord and not any other human authority. And that's a double-edged sword. Because it means we obey this person because we're obeying this person, or we are obeying Jesus, and therefore, when we're commanded to do something that the Lord Jesus wouldn't want us to do, we say, you figure out whether it's better to obey you or to obey the Lord. As for us, we will obey the Lord. Which brings us to what, for many people in this room, you're thinking, wait a minute, Pastor Greg. You didn't know my parents. I bet there's someone in here who's thinking, you don't know how hard it is for me to honor my parents. How do we honor the dishonorable father and mother? This was something I've struggled with quite a bit. And the very first thing I came up with, live as if they were the best parents in the world. Live your life today as if they were the best parents in the world. Were your parents drunk all the time, beat you, neglect you, do things worse? Okay. Right now, live the very best life you can. Live as if anybody not knowing your story would think, man, this person had the greatest parents ever. The second key point, how to honor a dishonorable father and mother, only tell the truth as it is necessary that they were dishonorable and only as much as is necessary. Don't get into sordid details doesn't really matter. It doesn't matter where you've been. It matters where you're going. Amen? Third point. Pray for your parents. If they're still alive, pray for them every day. Pray. If God can save my father's son, he can save my father. Pray that he would save your parents. Another thing, I'm reminded of this whenever I do a funeral. Anybody you've known for any amount of time, anybody you've known, especially personal, you realize about them that they have problems, they have issues, they have sins. Get over it. Concentrate on the 
healthy parts. Concentrate on the good parts. Concentrate on what was honorable. And then repent of your own sins. Because not everything that's gone right or wrong in your life is your parents' fault. Guess what? A lot of my problems are because of this person right here. And then lastly, be a good father or mother. If you have to, start over again today. Go to your kids. Repent. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. And be specific. What you're repenting of. What you are sorry of and what you would like them to forgive you for. That's what repentance is. Move forward. Honor your father and mother. Now, I'm also aware that there's issues right here that go deeper still. Get help. Find a godly man or a godly woman and talk to them. This idea of going to somebody and unburdening your sins, someone that you trust, someone that's trustworthy, and someone who knows God, who understands how He works, go to them and get help. Because it is an issue of saving the near ones around you. Because when you live like this, they will say, whoa, what is with this person? But it's also about saving the civilization around you as well. How do we go about saving civilization? Well, to begin with, honor your father and mother. That's where we're at tonight. Note, as you read the fifth commandment, there's something very fundamental. It's a commandment from the king of kings and the president of presidents. This isn't an optional thing. Oh, uh, I'm good on one through four, and I'm, you know, I'm okay on a couple of the other ones, but number five, forget it. Where does that come from? Not from heaven. Who are we supposed to call a liar again? Note also that this commandment doesn't have an age or a condition on the command. Now, clearly... You're not going to obey your parents in the same way when you're 70 as when you're 7. But honoring the right attitude is something you can do at 70 or 7. You are obligated insofar as your obedience is in the Lord to honor your father and mother with your attitudes and actions. And as we saw in two places tonight, this kind of attitude will... Bring it about that the people near you will say, wow, what is with that? What's with this person? I got to get to know this God better. Which brings us right back to Jesus. It brings us right back to Him. We are to obey, we are to honor as is right in the Lord. And we remember that when we're honoring the dishonorable, we're doing it because we're honoring the one who is ultimately honorable. And he has asked us to do this. Living in such a way that we respect authority and obey it as far 
as it is reflective of our love for Jesus, will slow the decay around us and shine light on the decay already set in place. We will be salt and light. And what God does with that salt and light, that's up to Him. Which is exactly why you and I must not retreat into our homes and curse the darkness. Instead, we must seek the welfare of the city in which the Lord has sent us. And at least as far as this command is concerned, one of the central ways of doing that is honor your father and mother. Lord Jesus, we obviously cannot do this apart from you and the grace that is the power of God in us and through us and for us, quite apart from anything we deserve, that power that brings about your kingdom purposes. Help us to do that. And for those in this room who have dishonorable parents, Help us come to terms with the fact that our attitudes toward them must first and foremost reflect our relationship to you, the perfect Father. And God, I pray that this week we would look to you for the grace that we need to do so. For your glory, for our joy, and for the growth of your kingdom around us. In Jesus' name, amen.